It's time for the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network. Powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Tom Baker. I think I'm supposed to talk now. What's up? How's everybody doing out there? You're listening to the Stock Car Show on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. We broadcast live every single week from the Race City USA PMN Studios in Mooresville, North Carolina. My name is Tom Baker. I am your seriously health-challenged co-host of this show. Uh, And uh, I am joined by two healthier compatriots, thank the Lord. Uh, We've got uh, Cisco Scaramuza and Jacob Seelman with you. And we are talking motorsports for the next couple of hours. And we've got plenty of good information and discussion to have over the course of that time. We're going to hear from Kyle Souza who's going to talk to us about New England Motorsports and specifically Modifieds and Money Matt Hirschman winning more money. Big surprise. We're also going to talk K&M West. We're going to talk some ARCA uh, and who knows what else here before we get through. Let's start with the Newswire, guys. And uh, Jacob, I'm going to come to you first in this one. Darian Grubb to William Byron's team for 2018 full-time crew chief Coming out of retirement, no longer an interim, he will be back full-time on the pit box for William in what will become the 24 car next year. Are you surprised? Yes, yes, I am very surprised, as a matter of fact. And good evening, everyone. Welcome to PMN, and glad to be back for another round of Motorsports Conversation. I'll tell you what. Darian Grubb is one of the best crew chiefs in the garage area. He disappeared for a little while and kind of went back into the background and worked in R&D departments and whatnot for some time. But he got yanked out of retirement, kind of, to be the interim crew chief for Casey Kane here for the latter part of the 2017 season. And indeed, Hendrick Motorsports announcing this week that he will be the full-time crew chief for young rookie William Byron next year. I love this move. Just, I love it, Tom, honestly. It's a veteran crew chief. It's a championship crew chief. But you know what? Darian Grubb is a crew chief that, as I've watched him over the years, not only has he worked with multiple different drivers over his tenure in the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series garage, he's worked with drivers who... I would argue have all the tools in their arsenal to be very adaptable race car drivers and drivers who he can easily work with to know what they need very quickly. And I feel like William is one of those drivers. Darian's worked with Tony Stewart. He obviously led Stewart to the championship in 2011. He's been back with Hendrick Motorsports a couple of years. He worked with Denny Hamlin for a while. I think this could be a match made in heaven, quite frankly. I think that this is exactly the kind of crew chief that William Byron needs to be successful. It's exactly the kind of crew chief I would want if I were going into my rookie year in the Cup Series. And I think that these two are going to be very successful together very, very quickly. I had my misgivings as to whether William might win a Cup race in his rookie year. Those misgivings have gone away. I think with Darian Grubb on the pit box, there is a very high likelihood that this young man is going to win a cup race next year. 
I don't know if it's fair to say he was yanked out of retirement to crew chief Kane. I mean, I'm sure there was some discussion and he, you know, he chose to accept the opportunity and you have to wonder now, Cisco, if maybe coming out of retirement and getting back on the box with Casey wasn't at least at some point a precursor to the discussion about him coming back full-time. You get back up on the box, you see if you still like it and still enjoy it enough to want to go through the grind for 30, you know, six weeks or so, Cisco. And uh, I would suggest that this definitely elevates that team for William for next season. Oh, for sure. And, you know, just looking at the average finishes for the five car this season, they were averaging about 20th or so going through right up until uh, Keith Rodden stepped out of that role and Darian Grubb got in that group. And it's only been a couple of races. And yeah, those are races that traditionally HMS has done decently at, but they've gone from a 20th average finish to a 16th. So I argue that he's already starting to make a little bit of grounds. Keep in mind, though, you know, that's not really a big a big list of tracks to be able to right. compare. Did they do better here? Did they do better there? But nonetheless, I agree with Jacob Grubb is I mean, he's one of, if not the best crew chiefs in the sport today. And I think that's someone that Byron can sit there and just absorb all this information. Okay. Let me just be clear, Cisco. I'm not sure that I quite agree with you going so far as to say he's the best crew chief in the game. One of. One of. I yes, said one, one of. of the best, certainly. I think he's right up there with a Chad Knauss or a Cole Pern or even Adam Stevens right now. Those four guys, I would argue, are at the top of the sport right now when it comes to the crew chief role because of their skill sets of being able to manage virtually any situation and do it at an extremely high level and find ways to pull out wins that probably they shouldn't necessarily have had. So this is going to be fun to watch, Tom, in 2018. And I'm now extremely excited, not that I wasn't before, but I'm extremely excited for the possibilities that exist with William Byron and that 24 team next year. It is going to be so much fun to watch him not only chase Sunoco Rookie of the Year honors, but potentially a berth in the playoffs as well. I think William certainly has the talent to do that. You know, he's he's a young man who listens very well. He's a sponge, and he adapts very well and adapts very quickly to his environment and the car that he's driving. I mean, if you look at what he's done this year in the Xfinity Series, I would argue that it's been as impressive as just about any rookie driver we've seen in a while. Uh, you know, he he still has a chance, obviously, to win the championship, and He's just made smart decisions all year long. If he comes up to cup and has that kind of an approach and is able to just have a little bit of bit of lady luck on his side, I do think he's got a chance to get to the playoffs. But certainly, I think he'll have a strong rookie season and probably do what Chase Elliott couldn't do with the 24, and that's win a race. And I don't want to dischase there, Jacob, because, you know, he had several opportunities and not all of them were not his fault. Um, in fact, I would argue very few of them were his fault that he didn't win in his rookie year. But, 
you know, I just think William will come up and have a fine season, especially with somebody like Darian on the box in the whole winter to kind of learn from him before the season starts. Now, hang on a minute. This is going to spark some wars and hate mail going on. Uh, that's Tom at, by the way, for all of you Chase Elliott fans that are going, well, I'm, wait, there's still three races left that he could win before no, the no, end of the hang season. Hang on. He's not a rookie anymore. Oh, well. That's what I meant. Okay. His rookie season. Somehow that got lost in translation. But, alas, we go forward and look forward to that 2018 season for Darian Grubb and William Byron. Another 2018 announcement out of the NASCAR garage area this week, Tom, uh, that I was kind of intrigued by. And I feel like, in a way, it's good for this young man who's going to have a full-time opportunity next year. Austin Wayne Self going to be joining the Nice Motorsports Stable for 2018. That's the 45 truck for those of you going who. Uh, They've run part-time, almost full-time on the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series Tour this season and done so pretty successfully. They've had Austin at the wheel of the truck for a couple of races in 2017, Tom, and I feel like this is another step for them in building, being able to put one young driver full-time in the seat who's already been in the seat to give them some feedback. I think this is a great step, not only for the team, but for Austin, too, who has been a guy in the past who's kind of had the stigma behind him a little bit of family money, and you know that's no disrespect to his dad, Tim, who's done very very well at giving Austin some opportunities that I feel like he's deserved after showing success in the ARCA series. I just think it's great for him to be able to step outside the family and see what he can do. Well, I think it works good all the way around because Austin is, a, I think, a driver who needs, he still needs seat time. He still needs repetition. He still needs consistency. He needs to be able to compete without having to worry about whether he's going to be in the seat the following week or not. I think this works well, and it's tough to it's tough for a family, no matter the uh, means or resources, it's tough for a family team to compete at the truck level and be successful. Tyler Young is probably, I would argue, the best at it. They've uh, managed to put together an operation that can run from 5th to 10th and, and run very well at most tracks and run very well with different drivers in the seat. I think Nice Motorsports is a team that needs a consistent driver. And so, you know, this is a good opportunity for them. And they've worked together before and run well together. So I think it's good for Austin to be able to have that opportunity for next year. I do too. And Cisco, I think the other thing that this does is it gives the truck series one more full-time driver that we know is going to be on the tour every single week in 2018. That's something I've been concerned about from the beginning because even this year, we've only had 13 full-time drivers in the truck series for the entire season. We've had more trucks run full-time, but many of them have been the... uh, rotation of drivers throughout the seats to to know that we have another team that's committed to one driver full-time for points I think is a good sign for the truck series and you know I hope we keep getting announcements like this because that series really does need it right now absolutely and Austin's a perfect example I mean he's got an average finish of 16 just around there and that's including a couple accidents that he was in he got parked for a race and they also had an engine issue in a race and 
beyond that, looking at his career stats, this is a guy who is in the top 10 or top 15 every chance he gets. So he is just doing fantastic with the opportunities he's had. Now he has an opportunity to work with a crew all year long and really build some speed into that truck and go out and have some really good finishes. Well, it certainly should be interesting to watch, and I agree with you. I think that uh, a top 15 to 20 consistency range is very achievable for this team, and I think that would be a great season. With that, we're going to step aside for a moment. When we come back, we're going to talk about a young man who's got some ARCA races coming up for next year, and we're going to talk about an interesting sponsor announcement that's coming up on Friday. You're listening to the Stock Car Show on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. Hey, I'm Brennan Poole, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. 
Welcome back to the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network. Show presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsports safety. Visit them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, and Cisco Scaramuza with you. Talking motorsports here on PMN Radio. Talking Newswire from this week. An uh, interesting item that uh, came out on on the Newswire here about uh, Richard Petty Motorsports. Guys, I sponsor announcement set for Friday. Very intriguing. Not sure what to make of this. I find it very interesting that this follows almost within days or a week or so the Bubba Wallace driver signing. So, uh, Jacob, interesting the timing and perhaps this could be something very good for RPM and lead them to uh, where they're going to be living, so to speak, for 2018. Good grief, I hope so. They're still looking for a shop. They're looking for a manufacturer. They're looking for a sponsor. Well, I say they're looking for a manufacturer. We don't know for sure whether they're staying with Ford. I'll put it like that. We don't, and here's what's interesting about that is I saw something here in the last day or two about Front Row Motorsports saying they were not leaving Ford to go to Toyota. Could RPM go to Toyota? Now, there's a question that warrants a little bit of discussion that I don't know that we have time for here, but boy, oh boy, that's a fun little thought that uh, you just brought up, isn't it? Now, talking about the specific sponsor announcement, this is coming. Uh, There's a press conference, Brian Moffat saying on SiriusXM this week that there will be a press conference scheduled for Friday at Texas Motor Speedway in advance of the race weekend to confirm some sponsorship. There's been a lot of rumors, Cisco, flying around about the possibility of Domino's potentially linking up with Bubba Wallace and with RPM. Of course, there was the interesting statement released from Smithfield to the Sports Business Journal this week about that they have reached a resolution with RPM and still plan to support the 43 team in some capacity next year. We don't know exactly what capacity that's going to be, but there's been a lot of things swirling around, and my hope is that we're finally going to start to get some answers because here of late we've had about one answer, Bubba Wallace, and a whole lot more questions surrounding RPM. The only, you know, where I'm seeing this from a standpoint of I figured that STP was probably going to stay with RPM coming through going into next season, as was probably U.S. Air Force. I believe those two were probably going to stay if they could find that primary sponsor, Grunt that style. spot that Smithfield fi- they filled. They got Grunt style, too. But that's not yeah. a primary sponsor. No. The big thing here but, is, and I think, Cisco, the point that you're getting at is the, the good news is there's some races that are accounted for, yes. but none of what they've got right now is a big primary sponsorship it's just a handful of races they really need you know something that can account for 28 or 30 races like what smithfield's done this year yeah and i think a lot of you know the questions we've had about shop and manufacturing and stuff like that that'll come down to you know what the sponsor you know getting that sponsor on board working with their pr figuring out okay where do we want we're, you know, working with them, seeing if, you know, obviously if they have the sponsor now announced, they can work with them, figure out brand synergies, then go from there on, you know, if what brand manufacturer, if you want to stay with Ford, if you want to, if you do want to go to Toyota, which if RPM went to Toyota, I'm just telling you right now, I don't want to be on Facebook when that happens because it's going to melt down. 
Well, that is true. Uh, Richard Petty, the iconic NASCAR king. Uh, But you know what? This is a business these days, and I'm not trying to suggest they should go to Toyota. Obviously, there are a lot of moving parts here, and it's got to fit, and I'm I'm just fine with them being a Ford team, but Richard has been with different manufacturers at different times. Um, All of them, of course, traditional American companies, Toyota, uh, you know, uh, the the core fan base really still a lot of them irritated uh, about Toyota. But, um, you know, I, I think that the sponsor, unless they have some reason to be affiliated with a certain manufacturer. I don't think that the sponsor is necessarily going to dictate one way or another, but I do think that depending on who the sponsor is and what the situation is, that just the type of company could have something to do with where they land. I'm not so sure they leave Ford, to be honest, unless they really get something better. Jacob, I think it's probably going to be more likely that we just figure out where they're going to put their shop for next year and go from there. Well, see, that's what I've heard from Richard time and time again, is they're going to make the best decisions to make RPM better. They're not going to make a decision that's going to keep them stale or send them backwards. Every decision that Richard and company plans on making is in all in an effort to make RPM better for 2018 and beyond and that was largely what I heard in their signing of Bubba Wallace. They wanted a driver that they felt like could take them into the future and uh, they went and got him. So uh, we've got that. Cisco, we've also got some sponsorship that was confirmed this week as a matter of fact for Richard Childress Racing who picks up primary sponsorship for a handful of races for Ryan Newman from Liberty National Life Insurance in 2018 in a car that, quite frankly, you're not going to miss it when it hits the racetrack. I know that. Bright blue and neon green. I'm trying to remember maybe the Wolf car back in the what was then the Bush series might be the last time I've seen a car anywhere similar to this. Yeah, that I believe it was Jeff Purvis drove that car back in 02 but yeah that's the only thing it's it's highlighter green and indigo blue is the best way i can i can say i think that's what the colors would line up on the crayola scale anyway but no this is a great this is great for that team you know obviously granger's staying on board with them going into next season and just you know having more support for rcr and just more sponsors in general coming to the sport it's always a good thing it is, yeah. There's no question that the sport needs new blood in it and new sponsors because new sponsors bring new direction. And a lot of these companies coming in are very social media savvy and are able to really work well with the modern technology, shall we say. And I think, you know, you get you get a situation like this and you line them up with you know, the other sponsors they've got in that organization and they're, you know, some good possibility of business to business too. And that's a lot of what this sport is now, Jacob. It's just putting businesses together and helping each other grow, basically. Well, that's exactly it. And that was one of the things that were mentioned about 40 different, in fact, business to business relationships that Richard Childress Racing has among all of their conglomerates and companies that are involved with the team so it's a lot of great things and you like to see that because hopefully that will continue to get even more companies involved in the sport going forward 
Let's transition to the ARCA Racing Series for a minute, Tom, Let's because we had the big announcement last week that Chase Purdy joining MDM Motorsports for a championship run in 2018. Now we have a part-time run announced this week from Blaine Perkins, a West Coaster who spent a lot of time in the NASCAR K&M Pro Series West over the past couple of years and going to be turning 18 early next year and as such going to be running five speedway races kicking off at Talladega in May for MMM or Mason Mitchell Motorsports in 2018. Not sure uh, what the car number going to be on that yet. You would think it might be the 78 as it was this season, but regardless, he's going to have five races for Mason Mitchell next year, and Mason's kind of made his mark the last couple years, Tom, in helping young drivers get their first real big opportunities in the sport with his team. I think it's a great acquisition, and Blaine did a tremendous job in his debut for the team at Kentucky in September, ran as high as second at one point, got a top 10 finish out of the deal. This is a kid who I really have had fun watching on the K&M Pro Series West. He's grown a lot the last two years driving for yeah, Steve Portanga, who has a lot of history in the K&M West Series with the 21 car. He's been a car owner for Alex Shuddy. Uh, that's a car you've seen back in the past with the 21 that Michael Self has driven at one point in partnership with Richard Childress Racing. So a lot of good things happening for this young gun. Blaine has, I think, a bright future, and this is going to be a great place for him next year. Well, I think so too, Mason is really uh, he has a team that again has been able to run up front with a lot of different drivers and challenge for a championship uh obviously and you know he uh i think is a good mentor for the younger racers and he's young himself and he is a driver so he can relate and help them to really be more successful and i think definitely um this is a good opportunity for blaine uh, I think he comes out and gets some great experience on a super speedway at Talladega, which I think is going to be his biggest, probably, uh, learning curve. But, uh, you know, there are some uh, tools and things like that that he can use to um, make himself strong before he even gets there in terms of knowing what he needs to do in the real game, so to speak. So I think he'll be just fine. And I look for good things in these five races from Blaine Perkins with Mason Mitchell next year. With that, we're going to take a break. When we come back, New England Motorsports takes over. We'll hear from Kyle Souza. More on the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport, your leaders in motorsport safety, right after this on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels 
levels, new to intermediates, to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity and Camping World Truck teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SECA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orca Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS representatives are knowledgeable and focused on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. What an awesome game. What's up with your car? I don't know. It won't start. How are we getting home? Chill. My parents signed me up for the roadside assistance from Lewis Meineke. It was free with my oil change. They'd come and get the car started or get us home and tow the car to the shop. Good to know. With my driving, my parents never know what to expect. When you join the Meineke Car Care Club with a $35 preferred service, you get four free months of roadside assistance, including tire change, battery jump, lockout service, towing, and more. Contact Lewis Meineke, located on Route 1, or call 827-2054. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is a lung disease that robs people of their ability to breathe. As many as 24 million Americans suffer from COPD, also known as chronic bronchitis or emphysema, and half of them don't know they have the disease. If you or someone you love is over 35 and has smoked more than 100 cigarettes in their lifetime, visit driveforcopd.org and take the screener, then take that to your doctor. I'm Jeff Stoltz, and I drive for COPD. Hi, I'm Cody Coughlin, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. Tom Baker, Jacob Seaman with you, and we are talking motorsports here on PMN Radio from the Race City USA PMN Studios in Mooresville, North Carolina. Joining us on the program here tonight is uh, our New England correspondent, who also is a member of the NASCAR Home Tracks PR crew, covering the Wheel and Modified Tour and writes for our friends at Area Auto Racing News. And uh, his name is Kyle Souza. Kyle, welcome back to the program. And Kyle, I want to talk a couple of things here, but let's start off by covering the recent event that uh, happened over the weekend at Seekonk. Money Matt Hirschman, I mean, 
you can't stop them. You can only hope to contain them. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, again, a, a phenomenal performance by Matt. This one a little bit different uh, than I think what we're accustomed to seeing with him. You know, he, he didn't start right at the front. He didn't pit for a tire in this race. He saved his tires all the way to the end. And when it came down to it, honestly, a phenomenal battle uh, between him, Anthony Nocella, and Russ Hersey down the stretch of that race. Those three drivers putting on a show for those fans. And then, you know, Hersey taken out of the equation with a spin on uh, the weight laps, and then Hirschman and Osella, the two of them together, a phenomenal race. Uh, but again, Hirschman coming out on top, you know, and it's been well known that he knows how to save his equipment. He knows how to get to the front when it matters in these big money races, Tom. And, I mean, he did it again Saturday. What do you think his secret is? I mean, you know, you've got some real good young talent and, and some good talent in the modified division that are running these other series why is Matt Hirschman so completely dominant? I don't, I'm not sure I have the answer. I'm not sure anybody has the answer right now. Uh, I, th- I think that the – so the first thing is great equipment, obviously, and a great setup. Uh, those guys really show up to the track, any track they go to, and they're competitive right off the truck. I think that's very important. Uh, and I think with if you know those guys that are not so competitive right off the truck are trying to catch up, while he is already competitive and making the car better, those guys are trying to catch up to where he was when he unloaded. I think that's number one. Number two, I think his driving style suits these 100 lap, 150 lap, save your equipment, drive to the front at the end. He knows how to save tires. You know, I, I'm going to put Tommy Barrett in his category because we've seen Tommy do it up here so many times, but I think he just knows how to save that equipment a little bit better than everybody else. You know, everybody else knows how to save the rear tires, but. When it comes down to the last 10, 15 laps of one of these races, he's so much faster than everybody else. I think a lot of that, and a lot of the other drivers have said they credit that to how he saves his right rear tire. And, uh, you know, Jacob, I think the right rear tire in these modifieds is so important. We saw it on the tour this year, and we see it in these open shows. That drive off the corner is, you know, coming off that right rear tire a lot of times, and he knows how to save that to have it when it matters most. Yeah, he does, and I mean, that is so critical, Kyle, when you talk about how these tour-type modifieds handle, how they transfer the weight, how they work through the corners. The right rear is what carries most of the brunt of the load when it comes to these races, and somebody like Matt, who's had the experience, who knows how hard he can push without pushing too hard, and how much he can save but still time his run to the front. I mean, he's a master at doing that, knowing exactly how much he needs to use to get where he needs to be when he needs to get there. And uh, I've heard the argument that because he's not running a full-time schedule on the Wheel of Modified Tour. People want to say he's skirting the competition or that the races he's winning don't mean as much. I call bull hockey on that. I'm sorry, but Matt Hirschman has beaten some of the best modified drivers in the country again and again and again and keeps taking their money again and again And again, I don't care whether he runs the tour full-time or not. He's done plenty enough to impress me. Yeah, I mean, first of all, interesting term in bull hockey. Second of all— Bulls on ice uh, would be fun to watch. 
Yeah, so I this is my opinion on the whole thing. Hirschman's been he's been doing this for many years. This is nothing new. Obviously, the Hirschman name and family have been doing this in modifieds forever. I got two sides to this. The first side is we have seen Matt run competitively on the wheel and tour, and this year especially. I mean, he qualified in the pole at Seekonk, you know, led the first 40, 50 laps, and then got wrecked going for the lead about lap 50 or 60, if I recall correctly. Uh, and it, it was apparent to me he was trying to save his equipment and lead the race at the same time, and it just didn't, you know, it, it doesn't play out. And I think the difference is when you're running against a tour, there are other guys that, you know, I, I really think this goes back to how you unload and how competitive you are right off the truck. I mean, you go to a wheel and tour race, Doug Kobe, Ryan Priest, Timmy Salamito, these guys are, are really good right off the truck. They don't have to go too far, you know, to make the adjustments they need to be competitive and win the race. Hirschman is in the same situation. I think the difference on the tour is, you know, saving tires may not be as big as having the setup on the tour. I think the difference is in a tri-track or an open show race, don't get me wrong, the talent there is awesome. But I think the you know the setup is so important at the tri track races, uh, especially at a place like Seekonk, where if you don't have the setup close enough, forget saving tires. I mean, it's not even gonna you're not even gonna have a chance at saving them if your setup's off. I think that's a major part of it. I agree. I really do. And Tom, I think we've seen that the last couple of years, where you can have good drivers, but if they don't have a car underneath him on the tour, they're not going to have success. And I feel like really that's where somebody like a Doug Kobe has found so much success because he and Phil Moran, Mike Smariglio, they've figured out the setup again and again that they need to put underneath the car to be successful. And I feel like sometimes when you look at the way these tour races work and how much change there is between the first half and the second half, I feel like that's where we saw Matt, even though he had a lot of speed, struggle this year. Uh, even at a race like Oswego where he led for so long and then uh, just the handle went away and he got beat by Ryan Priest. Yeah, well, I mean, and the thing is, he didn't get beat bad by Ryan. I no. mean, in terms of speed, it, they were they were uh, nip and tuck all day long there. Um, you know, I, I think some of this is kind of a difference in philosophy i think you know you look at what it takes to be competitive on the tour you you gotta have you know the crew's gotta be in full safety gear you you've gotta you know there are things that you have to have per nascar that you don't have to have for these other shows so while you know the tour is certainly prestigious i think you know there comes that point where you kind of look at what matt's doing and you look at okay, he's going and winning a bunch of these other series races and he's not, you know, as successful on the tour. Well, some of that, I think, is just, you know, an opportunity that he sees, you know, you you can spend a bunch of money and go compete for wins on the tour or you can spend less money and go compete for wins and still run against really exciting fields in these outlaw shows. And that's kind of, you know, where where I see Matt focusing his time a little bit and not so much being as worried, Jacob, about, excuse me, about being, um, you know, the, the king of the tour. I don't think he really cares about that. I don't think it's, you know, hugely important to him. I think he just likes racing modifieds and racing to win. I agree for that, but I will add, too, that there's not a lot of 7,500 no. or 10,000 no. to win or, you know, big money modified shows anymore. And definitely, no disrespect to the tour, but they're definitely not on the tour, Kyle. And we have to stop and consider Matt Hirschman is doing this to make a living. 
for the most part. I mean, this is his trade. This is his craft. He's trying to make the money to not only keep racing every weekend, but to, you know, keep his life spinning away from the racetrack as well. I know we talk about uh, sometimes where a lot of his prize money will go back into the race car, but largely this is Matt's craft, and, you know, he just keeps doing it. He just keeps doing it successfully. And as Doug Kobe has been on this show and told us before, it's really hard to make a living on the tour. Yeah, and I, I, you know what else I think? I've been making this comparison over the last couple of weeks. Uh, Matt Hirschman remind, reminds me a lot of Ryan Priest in this day. Uh, he maintains the car. You know, he may not set it up 100% by himself. You know, and neither does Priest, let's be honest. I mean, no. Priest has influence from other people. But the two of them, I see a lot of comparisons in the two of them. The major difference is the route that they're taking. Priest is taking a wheel and tour, you know, national, top national series route where Hirschman's saying, I'm going to stay at my local short track, support my local short track, and go to the races that pay big money. I, I haven't, I can't tell you the last time I saw Matt Hirschman at a race that didn't have at least a decent purse up. I mean, if the money's not there, you know, and it's not, not a good purse, he's probably not going to go. He picks and chooses all year, and, you know, he's run the Tri-Track Series. And I believe, you know, I believe he's won, like, eight out of the, Eight out of the last 12 races on the tri-track. And won three championships in a row, too. Yeah, so I mean, he's been dominant on the tri-track tour, and I'm, I'm, not sure that, I'm not sure that anybody can beat him going forward either. I mean, Nocella had him beat Saturday, and I think Hersey, Russ Hersey had him beat as well. If circumstances would have played out their way, I think they were just as fast as him, but they didn't beat him. I mean, you know, I, I know circumstances happen. Hersey spun. If you haven't seen... Uh, what happened in that race, well, you really missed out because Hirschman and Nocella were beating and banging for the lead, shoving each other out of the way, crossing each other over. Nice, hard racing where they both didn't wreck each other. But I think when it comes down to it, Hirschman and the Tri-Track Series are a perfect match. Big money, 100-lap races where you can save your equipment. You don't have to save it the whole race. He relies on his setup, the first half, to keep him close enough. And then the second half, he realized that he saved enough tires to do it. And right now it's working, and I'm not sure I see anybody else that's going to that's be able to defeat him. I would agree. Definitely an interesting time to be Matt Hirschman for sure, and probably a profitable one as well. We'll talk more on the other side of this break as we continue with Kyle Souza on the Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Okay, so Sarah, I'm dropping you off at Emily's. Yep. And Josh, you're going to? Soccer, Dad. Soccer practice. Right. Oh, by the way, I just wanted to let you know when I pick you both up, I'll be wearing my short shorts. What? No! Yep, and my dorky dad hat, and I'm going to do my dad dance for all your friends. They'll love it! Seriously? Why? Because I like my short shorts. Of course, I could be talked out of it if you guys would just buckle up your seatbelts without giving me a hard time. It's important to get your kids to buckle up for safety, no matter what it takes. And sometimes, all it takes is your parental powers of persuasion. Okay, okay, we're buckling up. See, all buckled. Good choice. I'll just have to do my dad dance at dinner time. What, what? No! Do what you have to to make sure your kids are wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. 
parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. This is a test to find out if you know it all when it comes to children. Name one of the leading killers of U.S. children age 1 to 13. What's the best way to protect children in a car crash? At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat? Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Noah Gregson, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now back to the show. I feel like this is the point in the show where we get to make another Granddaddy Watch reference because that's yeah. just not going to get old. Sorry, well, Noah. One was enough for tonight, I think. But, uh, yeah, it definitely is not going to get old. Uh, welcome back to the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. Tom Baker and Jacob Seelman with you along with Kyle Souza, our New England correspondent. We are talking about uh, New England Motorsports and Modifieds specifically Okay, Kyle, so now the season's over, and there's no more racing to talk about up there. So what have we learned about uh, Modifieds in New England? I'll start. I think we've learned that Doug Covey still knows how to win a championship. Yeah, I think that that's, uh, you know, the number one thing I've been taking away from this year, uh, you know, reflecting back, of course. You know, I'm not going to say the Northeast season's over. I mean, we've got the Turkey Derby coming up. Uh, in November, but for all intents and purposes, racing up here has come to a close. And I, I agree. The number one thing uh, that we've learned is Doug Kobe can win a championship in just about any way you can think of. He won his first championship winning only one race. He won this championship winning only one race. He won this one coming from behind after three finishes outside the top 10 of the first four races, which I think is amazing. Uh, you know, he won his fifth title this year. I mean, we've learned that Doug Kobe can do anything. He's basically modified Superman. Number two, we learned that Doug Kobe is going to go down as one of the best in the history of the tour. And I, I'm not never been one to compare eras. You know, it's hard to compare the Richie Evans era to the Doug Kobe era. But I don't care what anybody says. This is something, Jacob, that I don't think we're going to see for a long, long time. Somebody to win this many championships in this short of a period when the competition level on that tour right now is absolutely phenomenal. It really is, Kyle. And what it comes down to at the end of the day is a lot like what I say with Jimmy Johnson is the fact that you can 
not compare eras all you want, but the fact of the matter is, to me, it is more impressive when you can win a championship against a deeper field than accomplishments back in the day where there weren't necessarily as many true quality cars. Now, that's a little bit different in the modified tour because you had guys like Richie Evans and Jerry Cook and Jeff Bodine and Charlie Jarzombek and, you know, some of the names that we talk about and have talked about for 20, 30, 40 years now. This fact still remains. The closeness, I think is the word I'm looking for, of the competition now is fiercer than it's ever been, I think, in any point in the tour's history, Kyle. And that, to me, makes the sustained excellence that Doug Kobe has displayed the last, I'll venture to even say, six years, because he's won five championships in six years and finished second to Priest in the other one. So impressive to me, just that he keeps on keeping on. Well, don't 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 forget too. He you know he lost that championship to Priest in 2013. He could have won that one very easily. I mean, if that went that one swung a different way at Thompson in the finale, you know, or or you know something didn't happen in the second third to last race of the year, or you know pick any race in that year that something went wrong for him, he would be looking at somebody who's a six six time champion. You know what I mean? I, it's just amazing to me uh, what Doug has been able to do, and I think credit I to Phil Moran. Uh, and his Mayhew Tools team. And I, I think that's another thing that got overshadowed in all this. Uh, Mayhew Tools hopped on board with Kobe this year, their first year with him as a sponsor. Uh, it didn't get off to the start. I know they wanted. Uh, but in the end, you know, he puts a top-level company like that on the top of the modified world with Doug Kobe, you know, recognizing the company. That's great for the company, and I think that's great for the tour as well to have such a well-recognized company on the car that just won the championship, and that has opened up uh, so many sponsorship opportunities for Kobe to, to yep. partake in this year. And I think that's something else that uh, we think to forget about. And I think, Jacob, that's my second thing that I've learned this year. Uh, these sponsors uh, in any NASCAR series are paying a lot of money to get on these race cars. But I think the Wheel of Modified Tour does one of the best jobs in all of racing, of promoting their sponsors, and I mean the drivers, attending events, signing autographs in the stands, you know, pre and post race. I've seen drivers giving their hats away with the sponsor on them. I mean, these guys really do everything they can for the fans. I think they do that, first of all, because they want to. Second of all, they, they, we, they know we need the younger generation to That's keep right. up with this modified right. series yep. if we want it to continue. Oh, I agree with that. But, you know, you'd stop and talk about what Doug Kobe's done with Mayhew this year. I've heard some people talking, Tom, that that kind of a thing has gotten other companies to stand up and take notice what's actually going on in the Modified Tour because of what Doug was able to do with Mayhew this year. And I think it may be a longer-term benefit, not just for the two-team, but potentially for other teams as well and the tour as a whole to be able to bring more partners and more sponsors in to jump on board and work with some of these drivers who really are honestly very marketable. I mean, we've seen that this year. Some of the personalities really come out on this tour. Well, that's all very true. And the one thing, it was it was a negative, I think, huge negative, in fact, I would say, when NASCAR 
basically disbanded the South Tour and combined the tour into one um, in terms of territory. However, the bounce back effect, I believe, is that because that tour is now so regionalized, you have an opportunity for companies like Mayhew to really focus on marketing to a very, very regional group of people and very dedicated fans. And I think, you know, that tour right now, to me, in terms of the fan base that supports it, is one of the hottest properties in local or regional short track racing at this point. Um, So I believe that the negative effect of losing the modified base in the South to a degree in terms of the marketing for those teams that are up north and are running that tour, I think you've got a golden opportunity. You've got NBCS on TV. I mean, you know, Kyle and, and, and all of the guys at, at Home Tracks doing a great job with, you know, the content and getting stuff out there. I mean, I agree 100%. I think, you know, this is a golden opportunity for companies to get involved in one of racing's oldest and most storied historic series um, really the series that started NASCAR, if you want to be honest about it, and to get into the sport at a much lower price point and, you know, with some real value as compared to, you know, trying to, to be a big cheese in, say, a, an Xfinity or even a truck series. If you don't want to spend that much money, the modified tour is an awesome option. Yeah, so I agree, Tom. I think the whole uh, situation with the sponsorship, you know, I, I do agree that the going away of the Southern Tour and the combining of the two hurt that side of it. I mean, I know NASCAR had their reasons for, for combining oh, the yeah. two, but I think that, uh, sure. you know, the, the sponsorship opportunities that come from it are definitely a benefit. And I think that uh, having the drivers that are, are definitely marketable, you know, Timmy Salamito comes to mind right now. You know, him and Star at Tools, they've done a bunch of shows together. You know, they'll bring the car somewhere and, you know, he'll get some autographs. I think that brings new people into the sport as well. So I think I agree. Uh, the whole marketing situation, uh, I think we learned a little bit more about that this year. And we, and we got on a little bit better page uh, heading for the future. But I think in general, uh, the tour is in a pretty good position going forward. Uh, we've got some young talent like Calvin Carroll. Uh, winning the Sonoka Rookie of the Year title. I mean, the, the young talent's there. I don't think Doug Kobe's going away anytime soon. Uh, I think it's an intriguing future to come for the tour, especially going into next year. Absolutely. It is. And I know we're talking about what we've learned, Kyle, a little bit unrelated to the tour, but I want to talk about one thing I learned. And I think the one thing I learned from this season is that regardless of who you are, fan, driver, or otherwise, Keith Rocco is the man. Period. End of discussion. <laughs> yeah, I think that that's another thing to take away from New England this year. Uh, Keith Rocco putting up, obviously, the best season anybody's ever had, I think, in the SKs. Uh, winning eight, nine races um, in one season at Waterford again this year. Very competitive there. And then winning championships at Stafford. Waterford and Thompson all in the same year in the SK. I think that's a phenomenal accomplishment, something that obviously is going to go down to the record books for a very long time. Uh, and going to be tough for somebody to defeat, Jacob. I'll be interested to see uh, who stays in SK Modifieds long enough to try and compete with that feat. And I'm not sure, you know, with the young guys like Dowling jumping right to the tour, I'm not sure somebody's going to be able to accomplish that again. 
Yeah, I know. It's interesting to look at, isn't it, that we talk about the youth movement in so many facets of the sport, and yet here's a veteran in Keith Rocco that's basically owning everything. And before we tie this to a close, and I want both you and Tom, Kyle, to kind of speak on this for a minute, but I think the other thing that we learned, much as none of us wanted it to happen the way it did, we learned in his tragic passing just how big Ted Christopher's footprint on New England motorsports, and I say motorsports because he ran far more than just modifieds, truly was this season. They say that sometimes it, uh, it takes a bad circumstance to truly recognize the scope of something like that, but we saw it this year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, another good point about what we learned this season. Uh, the washing of Ted, I think, affected a lot of people in and out of the racing community as well. But we again learn the racing communities. One, they all come together for instances like this. And then we again, obviously, learn the legacy that Ted Christopher left behind. We all knew his legacy. Uh, we didn't think we'd have to think about his legacy just yet. Obviously, circumstances happen and we are thinking about his legacy now, but he left a huge footprint in New England modified racing and racing in general, I think. Well, and I agree completely. I mean, you know, you just, you cannot replace someone like Teddy Christopher. Teddy was very authentic and he had, he touched so many lives and, and had left such a big mark, not just on modifieds, but racing all over the Northeast and beyond. You just can't, you, you, you cannot replace somebody like him, but what you do is you continue to learn from him and, you know, reflect on how he got to where he got and his legacy lives on forever. I think that pretty well sums it up because that's kind of Tom's job around here. He's good at tying things into nice little bows. And Kyle, uh, as always, we're not going to say goodbye because you're not done with us for the year just yet. But I think it does warrant saying that we appreciate all your contributions to this show throughout the season, and now we'll kind of turn the page and look forward to kind of talking about some off-season stuff, because we know there will be some news and announcements coming, and before too long, it'll be time to already look ahead to the 2018 season. Yeah, I think the whole discussion over the winter, obviously the silly season uh, on the wheel and tour, we'll talk a lot about that. Uh, We'll talk a lot about what's going on with these modified tours up here in New England. How many are there going to be? Are we going to, it seems like we're going to add another tour uh, to the the growing list already. Are there too many modified tours? I think that's the good discussion to, uh, to start our winter off with next week. You know, are are there too many modified tours? Uh, And that's a great discussion for the winter. And then of course, uh, schedules will start coming out and we'll be planning uh, what's to come in 2018 up here in New England. We'll look forward to it, Kyle. And we again, we do certainly appreciate your contributions here. With that, we'll step aside for a moment. And when we come back, we'll have more of the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, 
features, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444, Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. The Performance Motorsports Network is a compilation of shows about motorsports. From technical to controversial to just fun, everything you like about racing and gearhead stuff is right here on one internet channel. The Performance Motorsports Network. Tell your friends about it. Hi, I'm Reed Sorensen. Racing has been a part of me and my family for as long as I can remember. I had to make tough choices early on to get to the top. It took hard work and dedication, but it's those tough choices that helped me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force. Hi, I'm Chase Cabry, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show. <coughs> Pardon me here on the Performance Motorsports Network. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, and Cisco Scaramuza set for our second hour of motorsports conversation here on PMN Radio, and we are brought to you by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com. And guys, into our number two and an opportunity here, I think, to sort of break from some of the other things that we've been discussing up to now and talk a little bit about the Canaan Pro Series West. They're having their finale this weekend at uh, Kern in California. And you know what? Uh, Todd Gilliland with an 11-point lead over his teammate, Chris Eggleston, Jacob, but at the rate Todd's season has been going, that's hardly safe. It is hardly safe. And when you consider that there are 30, count them, 30 cars on the entry list for this weekend's race at Kern County Raceway Park's Half Mile, Oh, it's going to be fun. There is no place safe on this racetrack. It is a very fast half-mile racetrack, reminiscent of the old Mesa Marin Speedway that was also in Bakersfield, California. And let me tell you what. These two have been the stars of the NASCAR K&M Pro Series West for the last three years. They've combined to win what will be the last three championships because they're the only two that are eligible mathematically for the crown this weekend. So between the two of them, they'll have won the last three titles. Eggleston, the 2015 champ. Gilliland looking to go back-to-back after winning it last year. And 
Who could bet against Todd Gilliland, quite frankly, at this point? Because he had six wins last year en route to the title. He's added six more this season, and he's coming off what he called to me at Charlotte Motor Speedway a few weeks ago, Tom, a crushing defeat in the East. One of those that was out of his control, but he said it doesn't take the sting away that we should have won the title and we didn't. I believe redemption is the word that's on the table going into this weekend's West Coast Stock Car Hall of Fame 150 presented by Napa Auto Parts. And it is going to be a tremendous amount of fun to watch. I believe 150 laps, 75 miles. And like I said, there are cars coming from all over the place for this race. Todd has to finish seventh or better to clinch the title. Now, to be fair, that's something he has done many, many times this season, but as Dover indicated, not necessarily safe. Should a tire go down or something crazy happen, it's anybody's championship. That was a a very long explanation there, but yeah, it uh, definitely is anybody's championship. In Cisco, we've seen Todd be in a position to knock down the championship once, as Jacob mentioned, with the K&N Pro Series East and ended up with a blown tire. And, you know, this is why they run the races. And with 30 cars, I mean, I I would guess that basically Todd is hoping he can qualify pole and just take the lead and drive away. No, absolutely. And something to note here, which I noticed kind of looking through, looking at the schedules and everything, This is the first time since 2013 we've gone to Kern County this late into a calendar year. We usually go there for the first or second races. The last time we were here this late was back in 2013. We went there in August of 2014, but the last time we've been here this late in the calendar was October of 2013. Greg Persley won that, but Todd Gillins won the last two races here. So it's going to be a hard bet to... uh, to be able to top that driver coming into uh, that race. Well, keep in mind, Greg Persley and Todd Gilliland are the only two drivers in track history since it joined the K&M Pro Series West schedule to win there more than once. Greg Persley won the first two races, and Todd Gilliland has won the most recent two races at Kern, going for three in a row this weekend, and like we've talked about, a win would cinch up his second straight K&M Pro Series West title. Tom, consistency on the part of Chris Eggleston, but wins on the part of Todd Gilliland are the two keys that have kept both drivers in contention going into this final race of the year. What do you think it's going to take with as good as these two have been? Do you feel like going into this that whichever one of them is going to win the championship is probably going to have to win the race to do it? I think Eggleston would almost. I mean, you've got to hope that Gilliland has a bad day or at least not a traditional Gilliland day. I don't think Gilliland needs to win the race to win the championship. He needs to just make sure he beats Chris Eggleston, but I do think that Todd will probably close the deal out and get the win. Um, I mean, barring any more unforeseen circumstances like the blown tire that he had in the East series, I don't see him being able, uh, or I don't see anyone being able to actually beat him in this race, but we've said that before, so we'll see. 11 points is 
seemingly a safe advantage, but nothing's ever safe in this sport. No, it's not. And I think, to me, what sticks out, Cisco, is the pure dominance of Bill McAnally Racing this season. Between Gilliland and Eggleston, they've combined to win 10 out of the 13 races. The only three races they haven't won was the race by Jefferson Pitts that Kevin Harvick came in and schooled everybody at Sonoma Raceway earlier this season. And then the most recent two NASCAR K&M Pro Series West events in which Michael Self has taken the Bob Bruncati-owned number 9 car to victory lane. And one of those could come back to haunt Eggleston as he was leading and crossed the line first after a green-white checker overtime restart and ended up getting penalized and lost that win by account of jumping the last restart you got to believe if Chris Eggleston's not able to bring home the championship this weekend at Kern, he's going to look back on that last restart from a few weeks ago and go, oh, if only. If only. And, you know, that's one of those things, though, where if you're Eggleston, you look through, you know, the rest of the season. And, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in the fact that one moment does not define your entire season. You know, Eggleston... If he could have gotten another win, maybe, you know, earlier, if he if he ends up getting the win at Bakersfield and uh, Gillen's sitting there in second, you know, you look at the other Bakersfield race, could Eggleston have won there? Could he have stopped Todd going four straight? I mean, you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda, but at the end of the day, it'll come down, at least in this final race, to who is the better driver. And it's going to be close, Jacob. I really think it is. And, you know, it's hard to bet against Todd Gillen, though, like you said. I think it's worth mentioning, Tom, that that penalty swung the points by about a dozen markers in favor of Gilliland as opposed to Eggleston. I mean, that was a big swing in momentum uh, that they had at Meridian back at the end of September. And you talk about, I know Cisco says one moment doesn't necessarily define a season, but it can define a championship run. And it seems to have broken it broke the momentum that Eggleston had had before that race he had two poles and a win at Evergreen Speedway I mean he was really on a roll and all of that has stalled out over the last two races and it's largely swung the way of Todd Gilliland it's just one of those things that you look back on and like I said if you do one thing differently maybe everything's different but it's kind of that uh, like Cisco said coulda woulda shoulda there's nothing you can do about it now. Well, no, there isn't, and you have to be able to move forward from it and rebound. The problem is he's 11 points down, so now even if he wins the race, he's not in control because if Gilliland finishes in second, Todd still wins the points. So it really, uh, unfortunately, has put him in a position where he's got to have a little help in order to win the title. That's a, a hard position to start from going into the final race of the season, Cisco. Yeah, no, no, the pressure, the pressure's there, and we can talk and talk and talk, but at the end of the day, two teammates going at it for the championship here between Eggleston and Gilliland, and two guys who deserve it either way. They've both had championship caliber seasons, so I'm not going to say that the 48 team last year was in championship caliber form, because I don't think they were. I think they got a little bit lucky with how things happened, and Hey, luck's all part of auto racing as well. You can't just not factor that in. But 
at the end of the day, once again, that's three. Now I'm counting. Drinking um, phrase for this segment. Yeah, at the end of the this day won't end. Gilliland and Eggleston, either one, I'll be, I'll say they've had championship caliber seasons. Well, they both have, Jacob, and, you know, it just goes to show the strength of Bill McAnally Racing and the consistency yes. that that yes. team has developed really for years. I mean, this is not a big surprise to anybody, I don't think. No, it's going to be his eighth overall K&M Pro Series West Championship, his third in a row, and... The biggest thing that sticks out to me, much like we saw with Roger Penske in the Verizon IndyCar Series, Bill McAnally has said going into this, there are no team orders, period. The only rule I have is don't wreck my race cars. So he's going to let these guys race for it. He's going to let them race hard for it. There's only one time this season when Bill has kind of set them down, and that was after they ruffled a little sheet metal mid-season and just about wrecked for the win between the two of them. That was the race where it was a photo finish and Todd Gilliland came out on top. That's the only time this season Bill has gotten kind of in the middle of things. But there's no team orders and there's also no shortage of potential spoilers, Tom. One big thing that sticks out to me when I look down the entry list, I mentioned there's 30 cars. Well, there's four names here. We can dig into them kind of individually here that stick out to me. Two as a pair because coming over from the NASCAR K&M Pro Series East for this weekend at Kern County. The Bassett boys are heading west. Ronnie and Dylan are going to be on the entry list and looking to make the season finale this weekend. And we know that both of them certainly know how to go to victory lane. They do. Uh, And it's a pretty, I think the track will lend itself to the driving style that those guys have. It's, It's a half mile and really not unlike some of the tracks over here that they compete on on a regular basis. So I don't see why they couldn't go over and be competitive. But, boy, it's a it's a tall order to ask either one of those guys to get the win uh, against that 30-car field. And you say, well, they may be faster than a bunch of the cars. Yes, but those guys know that track, and they've raced on it for a long, long time. So, uh, And you still got to beat Bill McAnally Racing, and that doesn't happen very often out west. No, it doesn't. Now, there's two more names here that stick out to me, one of which I think has a legitimate shot to win, not only because he has momentum, but because, as you mentioned, he's driving a Bill McAnally car. And, in fact, he's going to have Bono Mannion as his crew chief this weekend, the 54 car coming in as a de facto fourth Bill McAnally entry this weekend for Riley Herbst, who's coming off Rookie of the Year honors in the ARCA Racing Series presented by Menards. And Riley has past experience in the West Series. He's got past experience at Kern County. This is a real spoiler, Tom, and I know he would like nothing more than to erase that goose egg that has haunted him over the course of his tenure in the West Series with a win. Oh, I don't think there's any question that he's capable of pulling it off either. And with Bono on top of the pit box, you know, there's a lot of experience there. And Riley's gotten so much better as he's grown up and grown into the heavier size stock cars. And, of course, now he's had all the ARCA experience and done so well in that series this year. So I really feel like there's a driver, Cisco, who could absolutely go out there and play spoiler and run for the win in this race. And he's like Jacob said, this is another ba- Bill McAnally car. Yes. So he's got the t- he's got the uh, engineering and the tech behind him to go out and make it happen. And 
it would be, I think, if I'm Todd Gillen or Chris Eggleston, I'm in the position to win, and I see Riley Herbst pass me on the outside, I'm going to be wondering, well, come on, guys, really? Well, that's fair enough. I, <laughs> that is fair enough. I would tend to believe that Riley would be told to race for the win and, you know, just not wreck his teammates. So, uh, you know, I don't know that there are going to be any team orders, but I do think no. you have to respect the race for the championship as well. I do believe that. And uh, one more shout out I want to give before we go to break, Tom, in the number 38 Ford this weekend, actually uh, making a rare stock car start to uh, give a call to multi-generational driver Davey Hamilton Jr., who's jumping in the 38 car owned by Mike Holleran this weekend. Good to see Davey back in a stock car and making a start in the K&M Pro Series West. I don't that he doesn't get to do it very often, but, you know, looking for a solid day and just hoping to keep his name out there in the stock car world. Good to see him back this weekend. Well, and, and Davey, Davey's a driver who's driven a lot of different stuff uh, and been successful, including stadium super trucks. And, you know, again, he's a driver who tries to get out and get into as much equipment as he can and certainly has proven that he has the talent to race uh, well. It's just, uh, again, he if he makes the field and runs all the laps and keeps the fenders on it, that's going to be a great day for Davey Jr. We'll keep our eye on that. And with that, we'll take a break. When we come back, more conversation on the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety Visit them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com. You're listening to the Stock Car Show on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. How to deal with someone who says that's so gay. 
outsmart them. This party is like so gay. Totally. Excuse me, but did you ladies know the word gay used to mean happy or excited? Then it became a word used to describe gay people. Then somehow it came to mean dumb or stupid, which is how you just used it, which is not very nice. Ew, that guy is on the football team and super smart, and he totally hates us now. Totally. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. Learn more at thinkbeforeyouspeak.com. I'm Kaz Grala, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. You can find them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com. Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, Cisco Scaramuza, talking motorsports and talking Xfinity series here for a moment because uh, one of the news items of the day was that the NASCAR Xfinity teams will take the same drafting package, and this is courtesy of NBC Sports, that debuted at Indy this year. They'll run it at Indy next year and also at Michigan and Pocono this is kind of interesting that they're looking to do this, Jacob, and I I think probably you'll get some mixed opinions, but I kind of thought, I know it was pack racing, but I thought it actually it made the Xfinity Series race at Indy this year a little bit more exciting, to be honest. Not going to lie, one of those scenarios where I thought it was going to be awful, and it wasn't quite as awful as well, I thought. So 16 lead changes in 100 laps. You can't argue with that. No, Previous you can't. Previous race record was nine. I know. I know. We'll just have to sit back, relax, and see how this all plays out, Cisco. I'm willing to reserve judgment, but I do think it's interesting that NASCAR is a sanctioning body confirming this so soon, and I think, honestly, the track it's going to be most interesting to see this play out is Michigan, because it was kind of a hybrid between pack racing and not pack racing at Indianapolis. I think, though, at Michigan, with the banking and the way all this is going to work, it's going to look a whole lot more like a restrictor plate race than we think. Yeah, it is, and it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see and unfortunately, I didn't get to see the Xfinity race in person because I was kind of in your boat. I was like, I don't know if this is going to be a good race or not. So I was watching it on TV. I was surprised how good of a race it was. But one of the interesting things was Ryan Reed talked a little bit about the package. And he talked a bit and he said that, um, you know, they're in a difficult position because they can't really slow the cars down. You don't want to see these guys, you know, drive 140 and flat out going around the track, even if it is pack racing, but at the same time, they can't go, you know, flat out and have it be single file high speed racing either. Cause that's not going to be exciting. It's just going to be single file. So ultimately what I think the better play would be is if they went back to Lucas oil, but we're not really in that realm anymore. So do you work with the hand you're dealt? And that's what NASCAR is doing. That's pretty much what NASCAR is doing now. Pocono, I think, could well play out much like Indianapolis because it's a pretty flat track, and I think you're going to see a case where 
the leader probably isn't going to be able to get away very well, and that race could be very similar to what we saw this year. I think you could well see a record of lead changes, but you're still going to see guys like Kyle Busch and the ones who want it to be about the fastest car and not about who can draft up and slingshot somebody not be too happy with this, like Kyle wasn't at Indianapolis. And I'll tell you one thing, Pocono's at least going to be one-third like the race at Indianapolis because of course one of those turns is like the turns at Indianapolis so at least they'll have that going for them yeah they will they will so uh, opinion Cisco is this the right decision for NASCAR to make like I said I'm willing to reserve judgment until we see the action on track but Do you think this is the direction they should be trying to go as far as engineering is concerned to make the racing better? If this is what they have to do to get the racing better, then yes. Now, I think there are better opportunities they could do. For instance, I alluded to it briefly, but maybe looking at going back to Lucas Oil Raceway Park or going to a couple of shorter tracks. But, Tom, you want to keep them on bigger tracks, or what are you thinking? Well... I don't know. Heck no. I'd rather see it all at uh, Lucas Oil Park or Lucas Oil Raceway, whatever they call it. Uh, I'd rather see them all on the short track than I would at Indy, but that's not going to happen. NASCAR has a five-year deal with these tracks, and they're not going to move the show. So I think this particular package that they instituted for the Xfinity cars at Indy, you know, packing them up allowed them to pass more and, you know, it's not necessarily the best situation, but uh, I think it's better than what they had, to be honest, and at least it made the race more exciting. I, I just think, Jacob, they need, it feels to me like they really need to do something different with the Xfinity car to begin with to make it so that we don't necessarily need to do this. I I don't really know what the answer is. I'm surely not an engineer, but... I I guess this is probably the best of all worlds for now. We'll see how it works out at uh, the other two tracks. Yeah, we will. I think it's the best thing we can do, at least in the short term. Now in the long term, I really do believe that both the Xfinity and Cup cars need an overhaul to get rid of some of the arrows, so you actually have to get off the throttle in the corners and pass people. (gasps) What a novel concept, Cisco. So, in other words, what IndyCar is doing with their new car right now. Yes, exactly. Na- hmm. I can't believe I'm saying this, but NASCAR could take a few pages from IndyCar's book. Yeah, that's a good point. I agree 100%. Goodness. Wow. <laughs> what, what kind of world is this? We've devolved into s- telling NASCAR they need to be more like IndyCar, when for years we've been telling IndyCar they need to be more like NASCAR in some facets to get some of their racing better. Who knew? Much as I think highly of my engineering friends that work on the teams, I would sooner that they have another role because that's, to me, the arrow is just ruined racing and not just NASCAR, but all forms of racing. It just makes the cars too good and too easy to drive, and you don't have cars that need drivers to lift so much into the corners and I think the more you make the driver lift the better the racing becomes because then it becomes more about driver skill and ability to handle a race car than it does uh, about the car itself well it needs to be about the driver and not about the car isn't that what racing was built on yep absolutely all right fun 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 
With that, I think it would be a prudent time to step aside, and when we return, we're going to have a fifth stop. Hunter Smith is going to stop by, and because we're headed to Texas this weekend, we're going to talk about driver fitness in multiple races over the course of a weekend, not just NASCAR, but other classes as well. So you'll hear that right on the other side of this. You're listening to The Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety, and we'll be back right after this on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity and Camping World Truck Teams, many IndyCar and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SECA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Stilo Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, HJC Helmets, Orca Driver Gear, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS representatives are knowledgeable and focused on only one thing making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the staff at HMS is always ready to take the time and help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. Hi, this is John Andrasik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Matt Tift, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to the Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety, Tom Baker, Jacob Seelman, 
and joined by Hunter Smith now, our fitness guru. This is our weekly fit stop where we talk driver fitness. And Hunter, you've got uh, an interesting topic for this evening that I don't know if we really think about too much uh, when we watch some of these NASCAR double and triple header weekends. And we don't see as much of this anymore with the new NASCAR rules as we used to. But uh, there are some interesting discussion lines to have when you start talking about drivers who compete in multiple cars or multiple series over the course of a weekend. We don't just talk about the you know the NASCAR guys doing it, but you'll see it on a local level too. You do see guys who will go and run one car on a Saturday, one car on a Sunday, or a Friday night and stuff like that. So like I said, but we talk on the national level. You have these guys that are running the Cup Series on Sunday. They'll run the Xfinity Series on yeah. Saturday. And just kind of what that does to them as a driver and physically, mentally, we talk about those kind of concepts a lot with this, this fit stop segment here. So just kind of what that does. Like I said, on a NASCAR level, you'll see these guys run two, three races a week weekend whether it's the trucks the xfinity series cup things that that does to their mental edge so we talk about that mental edge all the time and it sure there's benefits to it it keeps them really focused it it helps them train that focus and get into the mindset of being in the car keeps them sharp keeps reaction time quick and kind of just trains them on that and it's just it's uh, it's effective training it's what they're trained to do they're doing what they're training to do more so it's it's literally yeah. doing what you're training to do well, um and the best way to train to do something is to do it so what's, um so we go right from that what's interesting about this is you can expand it out beyond just nascar you really have uh you know you have a lot of different situations now in short track racing and even all the way down into karting and quarter midgets where these racers at at a very young age start running four, five, six different classes every weekend. And sometimes in some of the karting events, uh, you can run double that depending on how many classes they offer. You can run 10 to 12, maybe even 13 classes in a, in a two-day span. So it's not just NASCAR, and this is really something that uh, as you say, the reaction time and the the mental uh, awareness that this develops for you is tremendous. But at the same time, there's also an opposite effect of that, that you got to watch your endurance and, you know, keeping yourself uh, hydrated and things like that. Because sometimes, especially in these, you know, go-karting quarter midget type events, um, you know, you're off the track for one class and jumping in a cart for another, and this can happen two or three different times during the course of a day. Yeah, definitely. Then that's where you go into like the physical, the physical benefits or disadvantages to it. The physical benefits to it is you do kind of train that endurance, you train that muscle memory, so to speak. You go into this and you know what's going to come out. You can train your body to drive these cars, what to expect, and you know how to do it. But at the same time, you have a disadvantage to where you may get dehydrated or you may get just run around and strung tight to where you can't, you know, your body gets tired. Muscles do fatigue out and adrenaline can only last for so long so um you make sure that you have enough hydration in there you've uh, you know you're limber enough you've trained enough to know how to do this exactly. and when you know that you're going to go into this and do you know okay i'm going to be running if you look at it from a go-kart standpoint you know i'm going to be running eight nine classes this weekend if you look at it from the uh, top level standpoint maybe running two long races this weekend you train for that and that needs to be you train to be okay i'm going to run that's why i admire these guys who run the double they that have been doing it lately with the indy 500 and the the coke 600 
100. That is an amazing physical and yeah. mental feat just no to do. So, and I, I to go out and do that 1,100 miles in a day in two different cars to physically and mentally adjust to two completely different cars, completely different tracks is that's that's a feat on all in all its own right there but um to go out and do that like i said there's just there is disadvantages there's benefits to it i i my personal opinion is there's a lot more bad than good but um at the same time too especially if you're running for a championship too the championship the mental edge goes into it you you're running for a championship in one series and just kind of having fun racing in another you don't know how to sometimes it's harder to turn those switches back and forth so um you just have to kind of be careful and watch that kind of stuff it's interesting to think about that but i i think when when i look at this issue i think the on the development side when you're younger and you're running these these quarter midget weekends and in the cart weekends um, or whatever, you know, you, some guys even run bandoleros and legends in the same weekend, that type of thing or whatever you run a crate late model and a super late model, you know, those types of things. I think, I think it's good. I think it's good to develop all of that acuity and, and, you know, that ability to, uh, to to have that uh, focus and the reaction time. I think, though, when you get to the cup level, it seems like, you know, a lot of drivers say that that it helps to race on Saturday because you do learn about the track, you learn about the tires and kind of what's going to happen the next day. But I think, again, there can be an opposite uh, reaction to that as well. It takes some of your focus off of what you're doing in the main series over the course of the weekend, jumping back and forth for practices and things. But, um, you know, by the time you get to that level, you're a pro and you kind of know how to adapt to that if you need to, I think. Yeah, and I'll, I'll certainly agree that in the development stages of a driver, that young age, running the kartings and the quarter midgets or even those you know bandoleros and legends like we talk about, to be able to have a diverse amount of experience, to be able to run a bunch of different cars in a short period of time and learn how to do all that, um, you know, it, it is definitely beneficial. Um, it teaches you that mental edge. It teaches you uh, the physical, uh, what all these cars are going to be like. So um, I, I definitely think it's, it's it's definitely a help for sure, like in that development stage. And like you said, as you get to that professional level, um, you kind of get to where you have to run where you where you're comfortable and where you can actually succeed. You're not going to, you know, I've always been one to feel that if I'm going to run in a series and run mid pack to back of the pack, I'd rather go run another series where I know I can win. Um, so you have to kind of justify where your mental edge is and where your ability level is. And then your physical level just comes down to, you know, um, what you feel comfortable with and your training too. If I'm going to run six, eight, ten classes in a day in a go-kart, what types of things should I be thinking about from a mental and a physical standpoint between those things to help me to do that in, in the most successful way possible? As far as mental, it's just as much as you can, get the experience in different kinds of cars. Get the experience doing that. If you're going to be running multiple classes, go ahead and do that. Get the experience doing it if you know you're going to be doing it because that's all, the only thing you can do is train by doing it. Um, the only thing you can do is train by doing it at the same time, too, if you're doing these exercises, these training. We've talked about some different mental exercises before. Um, do those exercises. While you're doing your physical exercises, playing some mental games while you're doing these physical games and that kind of stuff, that's going to help you out big time. Just kind of focusing and jumping back and forth. It's turning one switch off, turning another switch off, or turning another switch on and going back and forth like that. As far as physical, 
cardiovascular endurance is going to be huge because you're never really going to stop learning to justify your body strength versus the adrenaline strength. Um, Those are two different things. You know, I've I've heard it said before that under, you know, the power of adrenaline, people can lift cars. It's, you know, but under your own strength, you'd never be able to do that in a normal moment. So um, learning to kind of justify what's the, just the adrenaline's getting you through versus what your body can actually withstand. Um, Because like I said before, adrenaline can only last for so long that body strength will carry you. So make sure your muscles are strong and they can endure it. That's just the kind of training you're going to have for it's long training it's you know an hour and a half two hours at a time in a training session it's um you know but it'll pay off if you are running those multiple races or multiple classes in a weekend okay so let's uh look at one track at a time here and have some conversation about what can be expected from a fitness standpoint here let's start with texas we've got a triple header here yeah, definitely. Texas uh, has got a big, big triple header weekend, a really big mental weekend for drivers because it is coming into a championship battle here as we get towards the end of the season in the truck series, the Xfinity series and the cup series. Fast, very fast racetrack. Turn two comes up on you. Uh, turn two wall, the exit of turn two comes up on you very quick. So these drivers are going to have to uh, keep the reaction time. Uh, in check, make sure they can um, you know, justify a lot of things changing. The track will change. This race will start in the afternoon and kind of end towards you know, mid-evening. Um, so we'll see how they do there. Um, that'll be interesting. I think all the different series, um, the mental edge is going to be big too, just you know, knowing who's around you, what competitors are around you, and pretty much for these championship guys, it's, it's you got to go out and win. Guarantee your spot at Homestead. Well, and that's kind of going to be kind of interesting because, of course, there's only two spots really available in the cup series with martin truex having as many points as he has you know he's going to make it on points so for martin and kyle they're pretty much set to go but you've got uh, about six other guys there that are racing basically for the last two spots and there's only two races left yeah, and you got a lot of guys that can go out and win. You look at Texas, Jimmy Johnson has dominated this fall Texas race. He could go out very easily and you know take a win there and you know Harvick, I, I've never been one to bet against Kevin Harvick at Phoenix. So if you look at it from that standpoint, there may be two big shots right there to go after and get it, but there's a lot of other guys out there we saw you know, see this. What's going to happen with Denny Hamlin and and Chase Elliott? Are they going to be just so driven to go out and win races, or um, are they going to be so focused on each other? So it's really just looking at the task at hand and focusing on it. Okay, and the Canaan Pro Series West is actually at Kern County, as we talked about earlier in the program. Tell us about that track and about what those guys can expect. A championship on the line there too between uh, Chris Eggleston and Todd Gilliland. Yeah, so not only uh, with those two going out of championship together, but teammates. So that'll be real interesting right there. You don't want to do anything too, too bad. You don't possibly uh, jeopardize your teammate, but you got to go out and win a championship. So um, really cool concept. I absolutely love Kern County. It's a big half mile. Uh, that's kind of a oxymoron sentence right there. A big half mile uh, high bank racetrack over there. So I think the, the K&N cars put on such a cool show down there. I think it'll be really cool. But uh, a lot of strain on your neck and stuff in that, those races uh, just because of the banking um, and the relatively high speeds that those cars are going to attain. So um, going to be really cool. Anytime there's a championship on the line, there's a lot of pressure. So overcoming pressure is going to be big this weekend too. And some guys are just waiting to see, finish out their season, hoping they have something for next year. So impress sponsors and all that kind of stuff. So a lot on the line at Kern this weekend too. It'll be pretty neat. And uh, it should be fun to watch for sure. And thanks, Hunter, for uh, joining us again here for the Fit Stop and look forward to next week's topic as well. That's Hunter Smith, and we are going to step aside when we come back. Our white flag segment, 
and the lightning round here on the Stock Car Show, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. Find them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com. Back with more of the show on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Here at Lewis Meineke, we're more than just your average car care center. Hey, it's Dave, your neighbor from Lewis Meineke. Whether you need an oil change, brakes, tires, or anything under the hood, we've got you covered. Take advantage of our free check engine light service as well. Yes, free. And don't forget about our free shuttle service. Never stress, we'll take care of the rest. On with life. Give us a call at Lewis Meineke, 302-827-2054. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. Do you love the sound of high revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ag Council. Hi, I'm Dylan Bassett, and you're listening to Race Talk on Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. Back to the Stock Car Show here on the Performance Motorsports Network, presented by HMS Motorsport, the leaders in motorsport safety. Visit them on the web at hmsmotorsport.com or at either of their two locations, either at uh, Danvers, Massachusetts, or in Mooresville, North Carolina, where we are uh, coming to you live from the Race City USA PMN studios. 
Tom Baker with you, along with Jacob Seelman and Cisco Scaramuza and Jacob. As we think about what's upcoming at Texas, I guess several things on everybody's mind going into this weekend. First of all, we've got <laughs> playoffs in all three rounds, which is, would be more than enough to probably make for an easy segment or two of conversation. But not only do we have playoffs coming up at Texas, but we've got talk of the ongoing or not feud between Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlin. And you've also got the possibility that uh, Jimmy Johnson may or may not punch a ticket to Homestead this year. A lot of storylines to follow in all three series, really, as we go into Texas. Yes, we do, and I think the other storyline to note is the possibility of Stuart Haas Racing's Clint Boyer racing without his crew chief this weekend at Texas Motor Speedway. (laughs) Yeah, this just in from the Newswire as of very late on Wednesday afternoon into the evening that the 14 team has been hit with penalties stemming from section 2018.5.2 of the NASCAR rulebook. And since I'm speaking technical jargon, I'll translate. That section deals with in-car cameras, and even though Clint Boyer was not carrying an onboard camera during Sunday's race at Martinsville, teams are required to carry basically a dummy that simulates the weight of an onboard camera. They did not do that. Therefore, Crew Chief Mike Buggeravage has been fined $25,000, suspended for a race, docked 10 driver and owner points, and Boyer's third-place finish was declared encumbered. What does that all mean? Well, not a whole lot, other than basically Boyer lost 10 points, his crew chief lost twenty-five grand, and his crew chief won't crew chief for a race. But Cisco... I find it interesting because, quite frankly, uh, this is a penalty, Tom, that doesn't come up, I think, ever. This is the first time I ever, ever, ever remember this specific penalty coming up. I don't either, to be honest. I don't really know uh, exactly what goes on here, but I think that uh, it's a really weird kind of penalty. I think, honestly, if... This is going to be a, the situation. I didn't, re- in fact, I didn't even realize that the other teams had to compensate. But it makes perfect sense if you've got the extra weight of the camera in one car, then you have to, you know, or five cars, and you have to do it uh, at at all of them. I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. It's a rule that really comes down to evening the playing field and making sure there's a level playing field for all involved so we'll just have to sit back relax and wait and see what happens from there i'm curious cisco what you think of this because as i started to say and i kind of stumbled over my words a little bit because i had to process exactly what was involved here i like i said i wasn't even aware that the teams had to compensate for the in-car camera's weight, but it would make sense. And if you've got extra weight in a handful of cars for the in-car cameras, it certainly would require you to make all of the other cars add the sufficient weight. Yeah, no, it's a it's a competition thing, and you want to have the same weight over all the cars. So I understand why the rule's in place, but it's one of those things. Yeah. I mean, just add it to the giant rule book that NASCAR has. 
not something that we've heard of before. As Jacob said, it's never been an issue, and that's sort of a strange thing. And just another storyline as we come out of Martinsville and head to Texas. Clint not in the playoffs anyway, Jacob, so it doesn't affect his championship run, but certainly will make a difference without uh, Bugga being up on the pit box for a week. Yeah, pretty much. And at this point, I mean, they just want something to go right. A third place finish was something going right. And now just when they get something going right, something else goes wrong again. That's really kind of been the story of Clint Boyer's season, unfortunately. They take one step forward and two steps back almost. And I know they're already hoping that 2018 is going to be a much better season than 2017 was. Now, as we go into our lightning round, I want to start this with a bit of a rumor, Tom, because I can formulate a question out of a rumor. Do you believe, yes or no, the rumor that Danica Patrick will land at Roush Fenway Racing alongside her boyfriend, Ricky Stenhouse, in 2018. Well, they'd have to add a third car. They would, but they have a third charter already. It's just leased out. I mean, and you'd have to have sponsorship, and I've heard that same rumor, but I think that's basically been denied by insiders at Roush who've said that they wouldn't put Danica in that situation, and I don't know, honestly... I think that would be kind of an odd situation. I'm not sure it'd be really good for either of them, to tell you the truth, or Roush, for that matter. Well, we'll see. What we do know, Cisco, is that Mike Kelly has hinted on Twitter that there is going to be some big news coming out of Roush Fenway Racing in the next week or so. But I'll pose the same question to you. Do you believe the rumors? That it's Danica? If it happened and they were able to find sponsorship for the car, great. But... No, I don't think it's her. I That sounds to me like a call-up for somebody else, maybe, or something. I, would, I don't know. That's odd. I would never say never, but uh, to me, that would just be kind of awkward, to be honest. I don't, <laughs> I don't know how that would exactly work in, in the long run, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, we will. Now, you mentioned we're going to Texas, and there's a lot of storylines to follow. Cisco. 24 versus 11. Do we see it at Texas or do we see it at Phoenix? Pick your track. Phoenix. Texas is just too fast of a track to do it at. And I I mean, it's there won't be anything on the line at Texas. I mean, there is and there isn't. There's nothing directly happening at Texas. Phoenix is the, is the stressy track where it might push a driver over the edge to that. But no, I don't think Texas is the place to do it. I think it's honestly... Uh, if you got if you tried to do something there, I think it'd be almost too dangerous to do it. Tom, I don't believe you'll see anything significant. I I don't see Chase. I mean, I suppose if he had the opportunity to go up and give him a little bump or something, maybe. But honestly, I don't think Chase is that kind of a driver. And I think he's gonna the advice he's gonna get from his team is to just put it out of his mind and focus on winning a race i mean if it came down to turn four on the last lap then i guess we'd have to see but just as some part of the race jacob i don't i just don't see it being a a real thing at either of those tracks to be honest fair enough next question and i'll let tom lead off on this one again because i have a feeling i know where he's going with it 48 has won six of the last 10 at Texas and four of the last five he's uh, playoff races. He's also the only driver to win on the current configuration at Texas. Can Jimmy Johnson 
Give me a percentage here. I know you like those, Tom. Can Jimmy Johnson win at Texas, and what kind of odds do you give him of winning Texas? Well, of course he can. You just read a bunch of stats that say he can. I would give him a 50-50 shot. I think, you know, this is when Jimmy Johnson needs to come up big, Jimmy Johnson comes up big. And I think between the two tracks, this is his best opportunity. Um, I don't believe he will win, but I certainly think he has 50-50 or better. And I would put him among the drivers outside of Martin and Kyle uh, among maybe two or three guys that I would put money on to have a good shot at it because I do think he'll show you that he can run for the win at Texas. I'm just not confident he gets it. Cisco, I need to see how they did in qualifying before I'm ready to know because I I don't know. Well, I don't know not, with this see, team. That's not how we do this. <laughs> Pick a percentage. Right. Um, I mean, yeah, Tom's right. He's always got a shot. They just have to they have to show up and be able to go out and just outpower the Toyotas. I don't, you know, I honestly you know, Jimmy's luck as of late has been amazing because, of course, last year at Homestead. And then I just think Martinsville qualifying, that was another case where he somehow wrecked in qualifying and yet did not wreck the car. He spun out of, I believe it was going into turn three. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I but nonetheless, once again, another case of Jimmy Johnson spinning out during qualifying, not hitting anything. I, I don't know how he does it, but he does it. I need to see where that team is, and I need to see the speed they have in the car because I just well, that's it's cheating. too unpredictable for me. It's too unpredictable for me to really tell. Okay, he just basically sat on the fence for two whole minutes, so I'm going to ignore yes. that. It was pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. You need a career in politics, yeah. Cisco. Future, just saying. Future senator. Anyway, next question. Yes or no, Martin Truex wins his fifth straight mile-and-a-half race and seventh of the season at Texas. Cisco. More likely than Jimmy winning. That's not yes or no. He's breaking the <laughs> rules, Tom. Can, wow. I, can I encumber him? Yeah, he gets a stop okay. and go. I'll give him a 78% chance of winning. How about See, that? See, that's how you do the winning <laughs> right there. That's because how you do it's it. It's Martin Truex on a mile and a half in a Toyota in 2017. End of story. I picked him to win on Monday night. I'm I'm going to pick him again here. I believe what I see until somebody proves they can go out and go faster. It's either him or Kyle Busch. So, you know, I believe that Martin gets the win and takes himself into Phoenix knowing that he doesn't have any real requirements. And that's kind of a dangerous thing when Martin Truex has nothing to lose. We saw it already, what he's like when he has nothing to lose. He goes out, and he's really, really, really good. Final lightning round question here. Of the three drivers not named Chase Elliott that are below the cut line, who is in the most trouble, do you feel like, Cisco, going into the rest of this round of the playoffs? I want to say Jimmy Johnson because I expected, you know, I said I didn't, I wasn't surprised by his performance on Monday, but it still wasn't good. So I say he's probably in the most trouble followed by Ryan Blaney. I'm going to say Ryan Blaney here, and I know I haven't been answering my own questions, but I think Ryan Blaney is the one. He's got to come out with some big stage points at Texas. If he can't do what he did in the spring or something close to it this weekend at Texas, I think Ryan Blaney is going to be in a major world of hurt going into Phoenix and 
Tom, I think we have to consider here. So Cisco says Jimmy Johnson, who's the guy fifth in points. I say Ryan Blaney, who's seventh in points. Are you going to say Danny Hamlin, who's in the middle of the two of them? Yeah, that's actually what I'm going to do because I feel better about Ryan over the last couple of races than I do about Denny. I think, you know, Ryan proving he can come from the back to the front and drive through a field, and I this is a mile and a half. He does fine on the mile and a half, and he does well at Phoenix. Now, the problem is... I'm really not too confident that any of these back three are going to make the final four. But certainly, I think if you're asking between those not named Chase, which I think Chase probably and Ryan would have the best opportunity out of those three, I think it's Denny. I think Denny better come out and run really strong at Texas and put himself back in contention because I'm not uh, too keen on his chances at Phoenix. Well, those three are only single-digit points behind the cut line is my thinking. But with that, we are going to throw a checkered flag on this edition of the Stock Car Show. want to thank Mike Garrity and our social media partners at Three Wide Life, as well as uh, all the folks, Joe Marco, Billy Glavin, and the staff at HMS, who, by the way, shout out to them for being at the World of Outlaws World Finals this weekend at the Dirt Track at Charlotte for all they do at HMS Motorsport to make this show possible, as well as Bob Steele, Susan Mason, and the staff at PMN for keeping us on the air. For Tom Baker and Cisco Scaramuza. I'm Jacob Seelman for all of our Race Chaser Online staff reminding you to check out RaceChaserOnline.com for your motorsports your way every day. We'll be back here next week to break it all down. Until then, keep it off the wall, and we might just see you at the racetrack somewhere. Folks, have a safe racing weekend. Good, Good night. night. You've been listening to the Stock Car Show on the Performance Motorsports Network. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. The Stock Car Show is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network. www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated. And may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section on the PMN website. The opinions expressed on the program are those of the host, co-host, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the Stock Car Show returns on Thursday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, stay tuned for more great motorsports programming on the Performance Motorsports Network.